the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Here in America, spiritual warfare is more theoretical than actual. Today, we turn our attention to Exodus chapter 17 to remind ourselves of the spiritual warfare that does exist and always has. Join us. I mentioned spiritual warfare, and I think many of us probably assume that spiritual warfare is not getting the table we want at the restaurant we want, or getting the parking spot we want because somebody cut us off. Spiritual warfare is far deeper than all of that, and here in America, we've lost sight of that. Today, we take a look at spiritual warfare as recorded for us in Exodus chapter 17. It's our series, Arise, Move, and Go. We're in part 17. This is a fight we cannot avoid, is the title of our message. Again, Exodus 17, verses 8 through 15 is where we're at. We invite you to join us as Pastor Jessica Stand continues our journey through our series, Arise, Move, and Go. With today's broadcast of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jesse. Everything that the Christian is going through is a battle. And that we can celebrate fatherhood and motherhood and male and female and family and grandchildren. And that in the context of the church is God's revelation from the beginning. That was his plan all along to fill the earth with families at the hierarchical level of God and man and woman and children and replenish the earth with men and women operating out of the Imago Dei. That is what is under attack today. At every element of that hierarchy, we are attacked as men. We are attacked as women. We are attacked as husbands and fathers and parents and children. And you need to know that. You need to know the war is on because God's way is being completely and systematically torn apart. And it's been that way for a long time. I am sure some of you, if you're listening to me with sobriety, will acknowledge that you did not take God seriously when you heard the warning 20 years ago. You didn't take him serious. You didn't take him serious enough. Am I telling the truth? You say, yeah, pastor, we heard you talking about this stuff 20 years ago. But I didn't take you serious about what it means to be a man of God. I didn't take you serious about what it means to be a woman of God. I certainly didn't take you serious about what it means to be a husband and wife and certainly a mother and a father because we allowed the enemy in. We might as well be honest about it. Angelo just told you there's not a just man in this room. We're all sinners. And we have to tragically own the fact 
that we didn't do the due diligence that the Word of God warned us about. So I'm going to be telling you over the course of the next several months that the big responsibility that you and I have, above even fighting this system, is making sure we're right with God ourselves. Because if we don't, we will never win that battle. That battle will not be won until your own obedience is captivated. That's the struggle we're dealing with. And see, the enemy, guess what? The enemy wants you to keep acting like you always have acted. Because he knows that your behavior, my behavior, hasn't worked. He's fine with you just staying right where you are, behaving the same way you always have behaved. Don't change nothing. Don't modify nothing. Don't repent. Don't acknowledge your contribution to this jacked up system. Don't recognize that we are at some degree responsible for our choice making that opened the door to bring us into captivity and slavery. He's fine with you continually blaming it on the left and blaming it on the right and blaming it on the government instead of taking responsibility for yourself. Now, let's go to work because this is a fight that we cannot avoid. This is a fight that we cannot avoid. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, may we be able to map your eternal truth on our present cultural situation and give us the lens of your perspective to help us identify what we are dealing with today. Arise, move, and go is the idea of being alert enough to be able to get out of harm's way when they put their bullseye on you. Arise, move, and go is the concept and idea that God gives you and I enough grace to function intuitively when we are dealing with traps surrounding us so we can get out of those traps and reposition ourselves in the will of God so we can continue advancing towards God's will in our life. Arise, move, and go is the idea that God has a place for us to go. And every part of the advancement, every part of the journey is going to be met with some kind of trial or another. We are engaging in 42 encampments, are we not? To get to the promised land, metaphorically and historically speaking. And Israel has already had some challenges, has she not? She's up against what we will call, and I'll explain it here in a moment, a fight that we cannot avoid. See, here's what God knew about the children of Israel that he called out of Egypt, that they didn't come out as a real army of soldiers ready to fight a battle against their foes day one. He brought them out of Egypt as a bunch of slaves that were culturally trained to submit to the tyrannical hierarchy of Pharaoh and Egyptian ideology and culture and construct. Did that make some sense? The people that he brought out of Egypt were slaves. They had a slave mentality. They had a slave subordination. They had a slave propensity. They had a slave inclination. They were slaves to the Egyptian system. And as I told you last week, they were for all intents and purposes, Egyptian. 
Now, God had claimed them for himself. He had bought them by his blood. He had put it on the doorpost and he liberated them from captivity from the greatest government in the world at that time. And it was seen publicly by all the other nations. So they heard the reputation of Yahweh, Jehovah, bringing God's people out. Are y'all hearing me? Now, the people that he brought out are a people who also are in transition. Take the note. Because the enemy loves to parody everything that God is doing. The people of God are in transition. We're in transition from being slaves to being free men and women. We're in transition from being servants of Pharaoh to servants of the true and the living God. We're in transition from being in bondage to paganism and idolatry to becoming servants and sons of the one true and living God. He's liberating us from slavery to sonship. Is that your Bible? Your Bible makes it very plain that all who are truly born again have become sons and daughters of God. And we are learning how to live freely according to the dictates and rules of our new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the paradigm here. You with me? But please understand that this process of learning is a long, arduous process that requires an overseer who not only knows where we are going, but how to get us there. And while he is taking us there, grow us up out of slavery into sonship so we can walk in that freedom wherewith Christ has set us free and then make us an army for the true and the living God in order to bring the kingdom of God into a world that's hostile to Christ. That's the context of the message that we're dealing with. Does it make sense so far? All right, so the way we want to work with this is as I have it in my first point, and I want you to see it clearly in verse 18, the opposition of Amalek. You see it. Notice what what the writer says, what the author says over in verse 18 of our text in chapter um, 17 of, uh, of our text. Notice what he says over in verse 8. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Do you see that? Right. So now the only reason this makes sense and is significant to us is because God has just brought us to Rephidim. Remember? And he has done a massive miracle in Rephidim. This is a narrative, you guys. That means we are continuing a story. We are not at the end of a story. We're not at the beginning. We are continuing a previous chapter. Are y'all with me? And the previous chapter buttresses right up against this for a reason. As God is actually proving himself to be God. Remember, their question was, is God among us? As God is proving himself to be God, guess what he knows? There is a nation that was watching them afar off when they were even struggling in Egypt. When God was beating down all of the gods of Pharaoh, they were watching. Whoa, what, whoa, what, what is going on in Egypt? Again, they were watching all of the Twitter feeds. They saw all of the news on Facebook. They were watching the reports. They saw what was going on way over there and it was threatening them. Because you see, when you have a people that can rise up against a government like 
like Egypt. At that time, the particular kings of Egypt at that time were no joke. It was a prominent power base, okay? An aristocratic power base of dynasties that have been operating for, for many hundreds of years at that time. And for Israel to be brought up out of it, as all of the countries were already used to believing that the only way that you could extirpate yourself from any other power is that a God delivers you. A God delivers you. And they're watching Israel come out of Egypt, come through the Red Sea, make their way down the southern coast, as I taught you last week, and they're moving into the Rephidim area. Well, guess what? There are two nations in the wilderness area as Bedouin uh, armies and as Bedouin rulers that are highly interested as to what this group of new people are going to do as they pass through our territory. And guess what? This is what you know about life. I know you know this. Here's what you know. You can't go anywhere you want to in the world without being confronted by some government system. See, all right, hurry up and get rid of the Reader's Digest. I know we're in church, but I am teaching you things that are concrete reality. As you know, you and I are always fighting against mysticism and, and, and postmodern irrational fantasy thought. This is a, this is a bad problem for Christians. Because we're so used to the pulpit being a place for BS and crap and, and all kinds of stuff that does not correspond with sound reality. We're used to it. So, you know, pastor is just going to give us another story that's not anchored in history, nor in science, nor in logic, nor in any kind of legitimate testimonial credible sources. So we're going to buy it. We're going to go amen. Then we're going to leave. But some of us know that the biblical record is accurate and true. Because the scholars have been fighting over these things for hundreds of years. And it gives us, who are apologetic teachers, credibility when we tell you about the history. Now the application is spiritual and God has to open your eyes to it. The application is always spiritual and God has to open your eyes to it. And what we're dealing with in this historical narrative is the fact that you can't just go over into Canada without getting checked at the border. You're not going to Mexico. You're not even going intramurally in America to any other state without being checked at borders. Well, that's that's being wiped out right now in America, quite frankly. But that's another conversation around the world in general. You don't just get to willy nilly, uh, if you will, just peruse and and meander through people's countries. Those governments are going to check you to make sure you don't have some malevolent agenda when you come their way. Am I making some sense? And you got to either pull your card and give your identification and make sure you're sincere about going their way or they're going to arrest you. That's what's going on in our text. What's going on in our text is that Amalek, the king of the Amalekites, one of the seven major nations that God said you got to deal with. You got to deal with seven nations larger and greater than you. Okay, we'll get to that down the line. But he's saying for you to get to the promised land. Sometimes you got to what? Fight. That's why my message right now is a fight that we cannot what? That's because up to now, God in his mercy actually knew Israel wasn't ready to fight. He knew that. He knew that they weren't prepared. They were having enough 
problems trying to figure out which direction to make the GPS go so they can get to where they are being headed to go. And you and I have already seen that we are struggling with them actually submitting to the authority of God in their life. Is that true? That's where you and I are. We got a new savior for the children of Israel and they're struggling with submitting to him. Now, how are you going to struggle with submitting to your leader and run up on a battle where your leader is in conflict with another leader and you're not ready to deal with the conflict if you're not willing to submit to your leader? Am I making some sense? This is where the church is today because it's not submitting to Christ. It can't even be close to be ready to deal with some of these battles that we're facing in our world. All right, pull up my map, please. I want to show you what I'm talking about. I'm going to show you the mercy of God, and then we're going to deal with our text. May God grant you the ability to halt time in your soul so that it doesn't fight against you and make you go to sleep. Pull up, pull up, the, the, pull up all three, and I'll tell you which one I want. These are the maps of, uh, of the journeys of Israel. As soon as it comes up, I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. I saw this a while back. It was a beautiful thing, and what this tells me is whenever God brings a trial in your life. He only brings it because he knows you're ready for that trial. Please hear that. He never brings you into a trial to make you fail miserably and to dishonor you. He never does that. If you fail in the trial, it's not him humiliating you. It's him educating you. I told you God will humble you, but he won't humiliate you. Akilah, if Akilah's around, she knows where it is. We got to get those maps up. I just want to show you guys something about the mercy of God, but I'll keep, I'll keep teaching until then. Point number one in our outline, the opposition of Amalek. What's so important about Amalek? Amalek goes so far back in his genealogical correlation to the children of Israel. His daddy is Esau. Now, Esau happens to be the brother of Jacob, Jacob and Esau. Y'all keeping up with me? These are the two brothers that were fighting in the womb, which the Holy Ghost taught us about. And as our elder hinted at, the younger got the better of the older and the older never forgot about it. We're going to make some application in a moment. These are the two that were in the womb of Rebecca. And she said, how could this be? And the Holy Ghost taught her, you got two nations in you. Now Esau has a son and one of the many sons he had was Amalek. And the nature of Esau and Amalek is clear in the Bible. It's the worldling, it's the fleshly individual that operates as enmity over against the spiritual and him that is a part of the covenant. This is why Jacob and Esau are always at war with each other. Am I making some sense? Right. And there are other nations in regard to that. Can you expand that map so it can be seen for, for some of us who have to wear full glasses? There we go. So I want to show you something here to help you understand God's goodness. I said propositionally to you a moment ago, God's not going to give you a battle that you can't handle. You get the call for cancer. God is the God of healing. So when cancer hits you and you make him a bigger God than your God, then you're afraid to call on God who could heal you in a nanosecond. Am I making some sense? Now, if you're a child of God, God's going to make it to where he'll allow that enemy to put you in a position where you call on God. Now, when we call on God, that's the best thing we could ever do. We're exercising the greatest privilege on the planet. 
We're engaging in the greatest gift that God has given us in the nativity of the fullness of his gifts to us. Listen to me. God made you to call on him. He didn't make you to try to figure it out and fix it for yourself. Now, we're going to learn some things about joining him in a moment. But the one thing you and I need to learn how to be intuitively committed to as an intrinsic autonomic expression whenever we're faced with any obstacle is to call upon the name of the Lord. Now, when we hesitate to call upon him, children of God, that's an indication of some kind of foreign and strange quality and characteristic embedded in our physical and, and emotional and psychological makeup. Did that make some sense? When we hesitate to call on God, it means something's jacked up within us. When we hesitate to call on God, we can deal with it in terms of pride. We can deal with it in terms of fear. We can deal with it in terms of distraction. I can go a bunch of ways with it. I can go a bunch of ways with how you and I pathologically are disinclined to call on God initially when we get in trouble. We can use the rubric uh, uh, pride if we want to just use pride. Pride is what keeps us from immediately saying, God, I need your help. I'll stop right there. But you know what God's going to do because he paid for you? He paid for pride in you too. And he's going to use pride to conform you to his image. Ask Peter. He used it mightily in Peter's life. Next thing you know, Peter calling on God all over the place. And that's what God will teach you to do. That he resists the proud, he gives grace to the humble. So the child of God that's going to fight a more effectual battle against the darkness of this world is the child of God that's going to run up on the throne of grace the moment that he even gets a peep of adversaries and say, Lord, you got to show me what I need to do in this one. You got to show me how to position myself. You got to show me how to cover. You got to show me how to advance. You got to show me how to fight because sometimes it's covering and sometimes it's fighting. This time it's fighting. Y'all keeping up with me? This time is fighting. Let me show you something. So we came way up here from the area of Egypt. We came on down six, seven, eight, ten, ten journeys now. We're on our tenth journey now here, okay? We're headed for a very, very monumental event at Mount Sinai <coughs> where the people of God are going to formally get their marriage contract from God. Y'all got that? This is where Jehovah's going to say, I am the Lord, your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods besides me. And then he renders nine more commandments, which the average Christian couldn't say to save their life. Of which Jesus said, if you're going to keep God's commandments, you got to love him with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And what that's going to look like is the vertical and horizontal application of those Ten Commandments. Did y'all hear what I just stated? In their practical and in their spiritual application, because love is the summation of all those laws. is loving God and then through God, loving your neighbor. Am I making some sense? They're going to get that contract down there. They're going to get that contract down there in Mount Sinai. They're going to get that contract. But Come on back up, my friend. You need to come on back up. I'm going to end up buying another one. All right, so start down, go, go back, turn around with me and walk back and go up towards Mara. You guys see that? Scroll the map down. I want to show you something. Scroll the whole map down. We're back up at Megiddo. Keep going. All right, so we are up at Goshen. Do you see Goshen? Yes. 
way up at the top. Goshen is where Israel came down. They could have came down to Migdo, where they, uh, they did come down to Migdo and Ethan, uh, where they transitioned across the Red Sea. You see that transition from Egypt into the wilderness? We'll go right back up to the land of Goshen. Do you see it? Scroll down a little bit more, sister. We talked about this last. Keep scrolling. You with me? Keep stop right there. You see where it says the land of Goshen? Now make a right from your shoulder and you see that track that says toward the land of the Philistines. Exodus chapter 12 made it very clear. Moses, we're not going that way. And here's what God says. The reason that we're not taking the shortcut is because Israel is not ready for war. And on that note, we will close out today's broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand, the ministry of Grace Bible Church right here in Hayward. If you have questions about our broadcast, maybe you would like to spend some time with us worshiping the Lord. We would love to see you. You can get all of that information and reach out to us through our website at grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Listen to past sermons as well as guest preachers. Again, at our website, grace-bible.com. We'll even let you have any of the notes, sermon notes that are available from these sermons as well. Again, there's an awful lot of resource material available at our website, grace-bible.com. If you'd like to reach out to us by phone, our number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. Sunday services here at the church are at 1030. Friday evening Bible study is at 6.30, Tuesday prayer and Bible study again at 6.30, directions and information again at our website grace-bible.com or by calling 510-886-9782. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with this ministry as we reach out to the Bay Area and the world (laughs) on the World Wide Web? We do so because we are linking arms with other listeners such as yourself. This is a listener-supported ministry. Your gifts, no matter the size and no matter the volume, are great help as we continue this ministry called Way of Grace. Consider that as you reach out to us and join us again next time for another broadcast of Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.